Hola, my marketing people. Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm sitting with John Tishotsky. He is the CEO, co-founder of Star City Co-Living. Very, very, very interesting company and an interesting model for growth. We get into talking about how to build a tribe. Also, some of the challenges that you know Star City is taking on when it comes to providing affordable housing really in high demand markets. So interesting, interesting conversation. Stick around for this one. But before we get into it, we're not going to do the whole ad read today. All I ask for you to do today is take this podcast and share it with one person you know, somebody who you think could benefit from this show. That helps me out and helps us build this podcast and this community a ton. So if you can do that, uh, you will be my hero, my digital audio hero, and I would appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Cool. Well, let's hop right into this episode. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm sitting with John Dashotsky. John, welcome to the show. You nailed the name. You know, that one is a tough one, and you absolutely crushed it. I'm excited to be here today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you know, as a person with a name that most people can't pronounce, which is, you know, said Shelton, but spelt with a bunch of letters in it. I try to try to learn people's names. We probably um, won the, you know, the points for letters game in elementary school. You know, I don't know if you played that one, but basically <laughs> it works where you, the more letters you have in your name, the higher number you get. And so we were probably the winners of those ones. Oh, hands down every time. So John, talk to me. You grew up in Palo Alto. You graduate from Stanford. You then do 10 years at Cushman and Wakefield. And then that leads you to Star City in 2016. Talk to me about that journey and what led you to really starting Star City. One quick correction there. I graduated from UC Davis. My dad taught at Stanford. I actually did not apply because I wanted to go to a college separate from where he was. But uh, look, Star City has been a project I've wanted to work at, on for my entire life. My parents eloped here to California in the 1960s. You know, it was like hippie movement, summer of love, so much crazy stuff going on. And they actually wound up on a few communes. And eventually they landed back down in Palo Alto, California after having lived in San Francisco. And as my dad was teaching at Stanford, my mom was teaching as well, we needed to make ends meet, right? Because they were two you know, sort of educator salaries. And so what happened was we had students living with us under one roof from Stanford. So that means at any given time, you've got five to 10 people living in this little you know, three building compound in Palo Alto. My parents got cheap childcare, the students got cheap rent, and we had... Ade Boyga Mabagunji from Nigeria, who's like the head of engineering at Stanford now, teaching us how to win every science fair project and like <laughs> helping us build a zip yeah, line awesome. in, the, in the backyard. And so that experience for me was super impactful. And as I spent, you know, my time in college and then eventually at Cushman building real estate and working on Habitat for Humanity, all these things, I was like, there's something missing, right? Like in a lot of the way that we build housing, right? There's either, there's sort of like, there's like barbells at, at any given side. There's on one end, you've got like the, the dream white picket fence and golden retriever and like single family home. And like on the other end, you have like shiny glass boxes, and these expensive $2 million condos in the sky, or you, you know, live in like a crappy 1960s construction apartment where the water heater breaks and the landlord doesn't care. 
And so it seemed to be that like, A, there wasn't a brand that people could trust for housing. Uh, B, the actual physical space itself needed to be more purposefully reimagined. And C, you know, I wanted to work on something where there was like a long, big challenge, affordable housing. And that just seemed like it was so meaty that I was like, okay, I have to work on this. Very cool. So it's interesting to hear, you know, how something like bringing uh, foreign exchange students into the house can then spark this idea later in life. My family did that as well. So very- Oh, no very, way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, had, had two Korean girls live with us for years who I still am in contact with. And I'm like, okay, those are the, you know, like sisters. So it's very, very cool to have that experience opens the eyes. And I, I think, you know, moving now to where you're at, okay, you go, you say you're going to start Star City. Talk to me. What is- co-living for someone who their first time hearing this term. Absolutely. Love it. Co-living is like the modern terminology for what used to be referred to as communal housing. It's now sort of going through its moment in time where there's a handful of folks that are working on it and popularizing it. But essentially you want to think of it like this. Each in our manifestation of it, co-living the product, each individual gets a private bedroom and bathroom. We centralize a kitchen between five to 10 people, and they get a living room as well. It's fully furnished. All the utilities are included. We have enterprise-grade Wi-Fi. There's cleaning services that happen multiple times a week. Your kitchen's fully stocked with dishes, you know, glasses, plates, olive oil, salt, and pepper. Food is yours. You cook whatever you want. You get dry storage. You get cold storage. You can stay for three, six, or 12 months. And you can select which group you want to be a part of. And we'll stack a bunch of those groups vertically or horizontally, depending on what construction type we're doing. So we first started off in phase one of the company is to really prove out in 2016, like, do people really want to live this way other than John and like a few hippies? <laughs> <laughs> and we like proved it out. There was a lot of people that were saying like, hey, at the right price point, this is awesome. Phase two of the company was to say, what's the best business model for this company? Now, this was kind of pre-WeWork implosion. And we had originally started off actually just operating buildings. But then we decided, hey, we want to buy these and build them ourselves because we want control over the physical product. We wanted to actually like really, really get into the weeds on design and details and everything like that. And so we wanted to own and operate it. And... And second of all, obviously, the other benefit of doing that is you can build a lot of long-term value. So then we sort of, in 2017, started building our own. And now it's like phase three is a really fun part of the company, which is basically scale. How do we build as many of these as possible? We've done, I really think of like our project at Minna Street in downtown San Francisco as like the prototype of something we could build hundreds, if not thousands of around the country and around the globe. It's a 270 bed project, ground up, right? Shiny glass box, except it's communal housing at the end of the day. And the price point will be for some folks as low as 800 bucks a month for a brand new, essentially micro studio apartment. And that's like unheard of, right? Even in a post-COVID world, your best case scenario for the, like the 30% discount that San Francisco's on right now is like 2,500. <laughs> Which right, is so, right, right. So completely unaffordable. So long story short, the vision of co-living for us, the product, the physical product for us looks a lot like San Francisco Minna, where you have people from all different income ranges, all different demographics. Everybody's yearning for that chance to unlock the opportunity that a lot of cities like San Francisco have. So 
in that, right? So you're talking for our listeners and, you know, looking at this repeatable experience, right? And scaling that. Now, have when doing that and going to a new market, I'm sure there's some, you know, dependencies and nuances in each market, but really, what have you found has really resonated with consumers? Is it really the advertising, you know, is the price the big thing that's the draw or is it advertising, hey, you, you know, you can be part of this community or a potential community? How do you weigh those from a marketing message standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, consumers nowadays are extremely intelligent, not to say that previous consumers were not, but they're looking for their company to stand for something. If you, If I buy a product from you, I need to know that you are genuinely good people as well and that you have the right values and mission. And you need to actually, that needs to actually occur when I'm consuming the product, right? I can't find out later that like you said all these things, but you had lead in your building and you actually didn't really care about our experience, right? So right. the is like this concept of authenticity. What that really means is like an overly used term for like just being honest. <laughs> so that's first and foremost. So like what you see is what you get. Number two, I would say is like price is one of the best amenities, but community and relationships and experiences is what people happy and keep them staying. We found that like if you find two meaningful relationships at Star City, your likelihood of renewing goes up from about 50% to 90%. And that's really huge. And it's obvious, which is basically a way to say that, that the hook, the shopping experience for looking for a home is always going to be about, okay, like what am I getting apples to apples compared to everything else? But then the thing that keeps you there is like, what are the hooks that keep you for long term? And like, if we're talking about a price point where we don't have like a jacuzzi and a spa and a butler and all that kind of stuff, which is the very, very high end, a lot of the amenities are very much the same. But when it comes to events and who lives around you and what similar interests you have and that there's group dinners and a Bob Ross painting night, and there's a kombucha making class led by one of the residents. All those things are the are, are what keep you. And so we like to elevate that both in social and on the website. And now we've done this really cool thing that we're A-B testing, which is we tell, we, so when you move into Star City, you get an app, an app, which is basically like your door key 2.0. So this lets you obviously into your building, but it tells you who lives around you, what their interests are, who you have similar interests with, what events are going on. If you shit hits the fan and you need to get maintenance ticket solved really quickly, you can do that. Now we're taking that information, anonymizing it and putting it on the web for all of our community. So now as a resident potential member, I can say like, oh, wow, like this entire building is night owls. And like, I'm a teacher who gets up at five in the morning. So like, I should probably not move in here or vice versa, right? Like I'm a, a DJ and like, I actually, you know, like a lot of the folks here like electronic music. And so like, I definitely want to move in here. And so again, that's just kind of like opening up the eyeballs of potential customers to the community that they're buying into. And is there a building to building like that, that, that platform? Like, am I able to connect or see, I guess, is there a larger community amongst buildings? Absolutely. There's like this very Silicon Valley term called a network effect. It was popularized by Facebook in the early days, uh, maybe even before that, but I think it was popularized by Facebook, which was basically to say that like the value of Facebook was very limited when the network was small. But when it sort of grew from not only your college to other colleges, and it grew from colleges to everybody, 
being on that network had had a lot more value, right? Being a Star City member versus just an apartment renter. If the owner of your apartment decides to build another building, you get zero benefit out of that, right? So when you pay your rent X thousand dollars a month, the value to you is only the building that you are paying for. At Star City, you can go to events at other buildings. You can meet members at other buildings. You can use the amenities at other buildings. If you're traveling to another city or country, you can check in with our local team for, again, events and experiences and using amenities. That has a whole hell of a lot more value to that customer than just a place to rest their head. And that was an insight that we had, which was basically exactly one of the things you asked early on is like, are people looking to be a part of something that is bigger than themselves? Well, it's actually a little bit more simple than that. A lot of folks who are moving to a city for the first time, they just don't know anybody. And you could swipe left or right, try to meet people that way, but it's, you don't want to get into bed with the first friend you meet, you know, like there's other ways to, to socialize. And so that's extremely important, especially nowadays with COVID creating a little bit of a angst about social gatherings. You want to know that like the folks that you're living with are obviously COVID negative. And then, but then now you can have this social element. And this was written about in a few articles about us, but you know, the question is like, what is co-living like during a pandemic? Is everybody like sequestered to their rooms? But the reality is it's not the case. As long as we know that people are being safe and not spreading the virus, now they have people to share in this sort of um, broader anxiety about the current state of affairs together, and they can make group dinners together and all that kind of stuff. That unlocking of social connections within your building is very important. Now, I will say that like it's also humans are humans. It's not perfect. And there is definitely conflict. Um, right, right. In conflict, I know growing up in this type of housing really stems from three th- three main things. It's finances, like who's in charge of the bill? Did you actually pay the bill? You forgot to pay the bill. Oh shit, are we going to be evicted? <laughs> Number two is lifestyle. What time you get home? Like, as I mentioned, are you a party promoter who gets home at four in the morning? I'm a teacher who gets up at 5 a.m. The sound noise of between the two rooms can cause disruption. And then third, the most interesting and fascinating is cleanliness. You believe when you put your dishes in the sink to go read a book that like reading that book is actually a higher priority because that's how you were raised. I believe that, well, God damn it, you clean your dishes the immediate moment you're done with them. So put them in the dishwasher. Since we take care of finances, that's largely off of people's plate. So there's never really an argument about who's in charge of what because we're just paying for everything and there's an all-in number. We fill the units when they're vacant because we own the building. So we're incentivized to do that. On the lifestyle side, I already mentioned like, hey, we open up the demo of the building to a potential customer for them to understand what they're moving into so they can make some choice around that. And then number three is we're clean the spaces a whole hell of a lot. So that argument about the dishes in the sink, it still happens, but it's a lot rarer than just a group of buddies living. And even if there is conflict, we coach people to like, hey, I know you're used to like screaming at people on Twitter and Facebook and arguing with people in the comments section, but remember that we're all adults here and like you can just have a conversation about the things that are bothering with you. And if they can't, we do these town halls and the town halls are a very easy people way for people to just like air their grievances. Yeah. Very cool. It sounds like 
you know, when it really comes down to it, you're, you know, helping people build, build their tribe, become part of a tribe, especially, you know, if they're moving to a new city, you know, they're moving to the Bay Area, or Los Angeles, uh, fresh out of college, or maybe they're a photographer or whatever is bringing them to the city and giving them a community with people who are like-minded, have a similar lifestyle, and then amplifying that and amplifying the ability for connection, you know, through your events. So that to me, the power of the tribe and the power of the community to me is something that I find fascinating. Now, talk to me about marketing as it stands now for Star City. Is it, you know, nitty gritty? We're trying to get tenants for, hey, we got three units open up. We're trying to fill tenants using a property management kind of tried, tested and true technique. Are you looking to use the community at large to amplify that message? How do you guys go about, you know, attacking vacancy? Yeah, we have one of these lucky positions of being in a category of business where demand is usually not the problem. (laughs) It's actually building supply. As you probably know, most of the cities that we operate in have a huge supply demand imbalance. Like a lot of people want to live there and they're really bad. Those cities are really bad at building enough housing. So you take like San Francisco and Los Angeles as a really good examples. That being said, there's still a small part of the total demographic, 20 to 50 years old, that like knows what co-living is, is okay with living that way. It's large enough to create a very big business. And we would like to expand that. You know, I think a lot of it comes down to, there's some tried and true methodologies, right? Like where's the point of sale for the customer? First and foremost, like a lot of these people are looking on all the sort of normal places. So that is apartments.com, that's Zumper, that's Hot Pads, that's even your good old-fashioned Craigslist, right? So we have to be there, and largely those are free services for us to use, which is actually wonderful. So our customer acquisition costs are relatively low. That being said, they should probably know what the heck we are prior to getting there. And if they do, then the conversion rate for us goes up significantly. And so we've spent a lot of time sharing content around what it's like um, to live in co-living. We've done some recent social partnerships, which I really like, where a resident is actually an influencer of some sort who can share the story about what it's like to actually live in co-living and be, again, as authentic as possible. And press actually has been you know, pretty evergreen for us. As you know, like a lot of journalists don't make a heck of a lot of money, and they fit pretty squarely in the demographic that we purposefully attempt to serve, that middle-class renter who's you know, trying to make their way in a city. And so urbanite journalists who care a lot about, you know, the urban form or cities in general or policy around housing, which is a meaty topic. So there's a lot of folks that have written, you know, about us. I take a pretty open book approach with journalists. I tell like, here are the things that are working, here are the things that aren't working. I can introduce you to our residents and I don't coach our residents. I tell them to be as honest as possible you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I think what that leads to is like very long form content from journalists about what the actual experience of living in co-living is like. And that drives a ton of traffic to our website, a ton of interest. And then that's sort of like, it's like this virtuous cycle. We have also toyed around with like, now instead of doing tours, we actually just do like, you know, video chat. And that video chat is, you know, it's very similar to like how a SaaS product would be sold. You know, where it's like you have an SDR and an AE who's going to close. Um, SDR's job is really to say, 
do you know what co-living is? Can we tell you a little bit about it? Here's the building that you could potentially move into. Here's all the things that you need to know about what it's like to live there. And then obviously our one of our community directors acts like an AE. So I've sort of like mirrored a lot of my friends who have like, you know, obviously very straightforward SaaS sales playbooks and tried to mimic that in our, because you're really getting people a new level of understanding about a category of housing that they may not have otherwise, you know, considered. So that's like a lot about, it does take effort to sort of grow the audience, but we've had a lot of luck over the last couple of years in the growth of that audience. Very cool. And with that, and I read a couple of the stories, you know, the LA Times story, and a lot of interesting stuff. I will link a couple of those in the show notes, everyone who's listening. So you can go check those out. Cool. So tell me what's next, right? We're at this point, obviously COVID is thrown a wrench in some plans, but probably strengthened a lot of the communities in another sense. I mean, is it just rinse and repeat new markets, advances in the technology? Where are you guys headed? Great question. Short and sweet, which is number one, is always focused like hardcore on the customer experience and just continue to refine and improve that over time and bring the product to places where there's high income inequality, you know, lack of meaningful amount of housing supply, socially isolated demographic that is feeling like they're, wow, this pandemic has made me feel even more lonely. Now I want to live with other people. And, you know, there's about 45 global cities where those variables are actually very closely in play. I always said that I wanted to start a company that I could work on for the the rest of my life. And the challenge of this of what we're working on is so big that I believe that it'll take a long time to give folks in that demographic hope that they can actually live in the best cities in the world and actually afford it and meet the people that can help them elevate their careers. So we've got our work cut out for us for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Things ahead, but very cool. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on the show today, taking the time out to speak with me. I'm, I'm sure the listeners appreciate it too. Jordan, thanks a lot. This was fun. Where can people go to learn more about Star City, you know, connect with you online? Yeah, starcity.com. Email me if you have any questions, john at starcity.com. I always respond. And, you know, we're on all the main social, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, under Star City. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your time, sir. Very cool. I appreciate it. And listeners. Don't email John trying to sell him your crap. If you need genuine help, if you no, need genuine okay. help, send no, that email. Okay. That's okay. I used to be in sales. Like if it's good crap, maybe. Yes, if it's good. <laughs> uh, I just I know I've had a couple of people. Nobody's nobody's complained, but I've just I, I'm always weary of the email. I'm like ah, you know, marketers. This is marketers, entrepreneurs, you know, freelancers listening, and I I don't knock the hustle. So no, I don't. But, don't I don't but, either. I don't either, Jordan. <laughs> That's well said. Uh, awesome. All right. Uh, until next time, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. If you like this episode, please hit like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff at the bottom of your podcast app, and I'll check you out next time.